Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and today we're going to talk about the holiest day of the Jewish year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. With me is Bobby Walter, our New York Regional Director, who works with Chosen People Ministries, and I'm so glad you're with me, Bobby. I know how much you personally love the Jewish holidays and how you see that they point to Jesus. So welcome, Bobby. Yes, uh, shalom and welcome, and thank you so much, Mitch. And you're right, yeah, I've really come to appreciate and love celebrating and observing these appointed times of God. And uh, really, since I was a, a new new believer, I've been exposed to these things, and I've just found such great spiritual significance and value uh, and opportunities for growth in my walk with Messiah. And what we're going to be talking about today on The Chosen People here is, like you mentioned, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day of the year on the Jewish calendar. Yeah. I wrote a book. I don't mind tooting my own horn. Yeah. Mazel tov. Thank you. My wife, Sahava, wrote most of it, I think, anyway. So <laughs> it's called The Fall Feasts of Israel. It's published by Moody Press, and it is available through Chosen People and through Moody Press and in good Christian bookstores all across the world. But in that, I actually have a major section on the word for atonement, the word kafar. A lot of people use um, all sorts of little mnemonic devices to describe atonement. So some put dashes between the words at one meant. We become at one with God because of atonement. But the word atonement is the word kafar. Kafar means covering. And so when we speak about the Day of Atonement, it's the Day of the Covering, and some great scholars and maybe even some great preachers called it a crimson covering, a covering of blood, mm. and uh, which is, is a really quite a, a moving picture. It, it also is from the Hebrew word to ransom, and so it involves a price paid that creates peace between two offended parties or mm. one offended party and one offender. And so it's sort of a combination of both words, to cover and also to ransom. And, uh, you know, as we start thinking about the relationship between the Day of Atonement as, as a prophecy of the death of Jesus, mm -hmm. you can see where these two parts of the Hebrew term really are meaningful. Jesus, of course, died for our sins. He creates a crimson cover right. over each and every one of us who embrace him as Lord and Savior. He is also the ransom. He is the one who paid the price that we should have paid because we're the sinners and not him. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. And, and so these two concepts really help unlock the mystery of Yom Kippur for most Christians. Right. It's the day of the covering, and it's the day of the ransom. But there's a lot about um, Yom Kippur in the Bible. Bobby, maybe you can go through some of these texts and, and talk to us about what the Bible says about Yom Kippur. Yeah, to ride in the wake of what you just laid out for us. I think it's important for us as believers to realize and recognize that what we find in the Torah— 
what we find in Leviticus 16 when we read about Yom Kippur, in really the entire sacrificial system that was laid out for us in those passages. Uh, that's the foundation upon which the sacrifice of Jesus is built. We can't understand yeah. what Jesus did for us on the cross without understanding that it was built upon what took place, what God revealed in the whole sacrificial priestly system that was set up. Yom Kippur is really a type and a prophecy of what was to come. Exactly. Namely, the, the death of Jesus for our sins. Exactly, exactly. Now, when we, when we ask the question, where do we find Yom Kippur in the Bible? Well, probably the first allusion to it is in Exodus 30, verse 10. And there it's first mentioned in reference to the initial instructions that were given to the priests about making atonement once a year upon the Ark of the Covenant. But really, the, the great detail about Yom Kippur is found in Leviticus 16. Now, for a long time, this kind of confused me, because when we come to Leviticus 23, right, seven chapters later, that's the chapter where all of God's holy days are laid out for us, right? We've mentioned that on this program before. We have the spring feasts with Passover, first fruits, Shavuot. Uh, we have the fall feasts, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Tabernacles. So I was always like sort of puzzled why do we have the feasts given in Leviticus 23, but all the details for Yom Kippur are given seven chapters earlier. And then after a great deal of study, I came across the, the answer. And Mitch, you know, you might laugh at me, but a lot of people laugh at me for this, but I really love the structure of the text. And there is this Hebrew form of literature called a chiasm. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but a chiasm is laid out almost like a pyramid. So you have the first step in the pyramid as you're ascending to the peak is the beginning of the book. The middle of the book is the peak. And then as you go throughout the rest of the book, the second half, the same path that you took up, you'd follow it down. So there's parallels all throughout the text. So all of that to say that Leviticus 16 is the very center of the book of Leviticus. Now, the reason that ancient Near Eastern and especially Hebrew authors would write in this way and use this literary device was to draw attention to the center. That was supposed to be the, the most important thing being communicated. So when we look at Leviticus, Yom Kippur is there right at the heart, right at the center to get our attention because it is such a clear and powerful picture of God providing atonement through one special unique man, the high priest, offering special sacrifices and special blood on the altar and on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And he's doing it to obtain redemption and atonement for the entire nation. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Leviticus chapter 16 is the center of the whole book. And when I celebrate Yom Kippur, which I've done you know, my entire life being raised in a Jewish home, it really wasn't until I became a follower of Jesus that I really got the whole thing, mm. you know? And uh, I never quite knew if I was going to be forgiven because you never knew if you repented enough. And of course, we would fast all day. The scripture says to humble yourself, and the rabbis interpret that as fast. And, and so I would fast all day. But at the end of the day, I never knew where I stood with God. Mm. And uh, then I began... Um, when as I became a believer when I was 19 years old, and I began learning more about the faith, I began to realize really the extent of what Jesus did. Mm. You know, it was, first of all, I mean, it took 
my accepting Jesus to recognize how sinful I was. I mean, I never, never quite got it. There was no sort of gl- mirror that I could look at and, and see myself. But when you come to know Jesus as your Messiah, you now have a clearer understanding of the Father. You have a clearer understanding of righteousness and holiness, even though it's, it's all over Leviticus, but to really come to grips with it, it really didn't happen until I was a believer. And Yom Kippur was created by God. The Day of Atonement was the day when all of the sins that you forgot to atone for or you did not want to atone for are forgiven, and it doesn't depend upon you. It depends upon the work of the high priest Mm. and the offerings that the high priest made. And I began thinking about that, and I'm going to ask the radio audience to think about it because... There's tremendous spiritual value to understanding the Jewish festivals. So my question is, when you accepted Jesus, to what degree did you understand your own sinfulness? If you're like me, it was not much. It was kind of like an iceberg, <laughs> you know, a few, a little bit above the water. Right. But it's as you grow in faith that you begin to understand the extent of your sins and therefore the magnitude of forgiveness we receive through Jesus' death. And so we repent of little, but we're forgiven of much. And that's one of the messages of the Day of Atonement, that God's love is so huge, it's so extensive, it covers all of our sins. And the Israelites could never have understood the full extent of their sin. You and I, before we came to Jesus, we could never have understood it. But now, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is revealed in its full, glorious extent. We understand some of the depth of our sin. I think we'll be learning more. As much as we learn about the nature of God, we'll be learning about the nature of our sin as life goes goes on. Mm -hmm. And every day, we will appreciate the work of Jesus on our behalf more and more as we understand how vast the forgiveness that we received is in Jesus the Messiah. As far as the East is from the West, God has removed our sins from us through Jesus' death on the cross. For me, Yom Kippur is one of the most meaningful days of the year, and it's really so important to me personally because I understand that my sin was forgiven. But how many sins were forgiven? To what extent? Well, you can't possibly understand that until you know the Lord, because when you know the Lord, then you know his character, you know his holiness, you know his standards. It's not just written down. It's something that you really understand spiritually in depth. And I realize as life goes on, just how extensive my own personal sin was and how incredibly uh, vast the love of God and the forgiveness that I received through Jesus the Messiah really is. So every day I grow in faith. I learn more about His holiness. I learn more about my sin. And the good news is I learn more about His forgiveness. And that makes me love Him all the more. At the heart of every believer is a desire to walk in the ways of the Savior. 
This fall, we'd like to encourage you to go deeper by connecting with our Messiah's culture. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a Jewish man, celebrating the biblical feasts with his disciples. So, the feast days must be significant for us too. And to help you discover the past, present, and prophetic impact of the biblical feasts coming up this fall, we invite you to contact us. We have a variety of articles, books, and newsletters that will help you to learn more about these special appointed times. And you can even invite one of our speakers to your local church. Visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or connect with us today by calling 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So next up on the program, we're going to hear from a Messianic Jewish leader in Israel named Ron Cantor. Yeah, Ron partners with Chosen People in many different areas, and we think that he's a great storyteller, and I know you're going to enjoy his testimony. Being Jewish was very, very important to me, at least culturally. Twice a week I went to Hebrew school. Bar Mitzvah was very tough for me because I had to sing in front of a thousand people. I was very protective of my Jewishness, even though I didn't know God. I didn't know I could know God. But I remember thinking, is there a God? Life's purpose was to have as much fun as you can before you die. Partying and drugs and alcohol. And my best friend, his name was Brian McRae, he was not Jewish, he was Irish Catholic. He became a believer in Jesus. What had happened to Brian? Why wouldn't he drink? Why would anybody want to be religious when you could just go out and have fun all the time? And, and to be honest with you, I was a bit angry at Brian. He was my best friend. And suddenly he couldn't do with me the fun things that he used to do because of his new faith. I said, Brian, are you telling me that if I'm not born again, like you're talking about, I'm not going to heaven? I couldn't think of anything more arrogant than for him to say that his way was the only way. Brian then turned to me and he opened up his Bible to John 3.3 where it says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it was like swords just flew out of heaven and I didn't know what to do. I could barely move. And all I can tell you, it was like somebody turned on the lights. For the next eight months, I wondered, I searched, and then in 1983, the fall came, and it was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and I decided I'm going to fast this time. I had never fasted on Yom Kippur. And at the end of 24 hours of fasting, of longing for something of a, 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 of a, a speck, of a relationship with God, I felt nothing. I did very poorly in school. I barely graduated. So I make it to this one college that will let me in. It's not Harvard. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I go home for fall break and I see my friend Brian. Brian, of course, is talking to me about Jesus again. And I said, Brian, just stop. I have one question for you. Is your life better now that you are a believer in Jesus. Because I thought he would say to me, Ron, no, it's not better. We had fun, we used to get drunk and party, we had a great time, and you know, now I live kind of a boring religious life, but when I die, I get to go to heaven. That, that is what I thought the deal was. You exchange your fun life for a boring life, and you get to go to heaven. But that's not what Brian said to me. He looked at me and his face lit up with joy, and he said, Ron, I know God. And when he said that, I knew he was telling me the truth. 
my friend Dean and I, he was in college with me. And even though he was not a believer, he saw this Jewish guy who was interested and wanted to help. And he takes me to this movie about Jesus. And at the end of the movie, I was crying. And Dean, if I was crying, he was weeping. We got in the car, we're driving back to Lewisburg, and I begin to pray. Now, even though I'd been in the synagogue all my life and had been bar mitzvah and been to temple, I had never prayed. I'd never prayed from my heart. I'd never talked to God as if he was a person. And I said, God, I believe you're real. I didn't believe you were real eight months ago, but today I believe you're real. And if you will tell me how to serve you, I will serve you. Do you want me to become an Orthodox Jew, a Lubavitch? Do, you, what, do I have to become a born-again Christian? Maybe a Hindu, I don't know. But if you show me, I'll serve you. And as I finished this prayer, I, I prayed inside, not out loud. Suddenly, I noticed that, that Dean was losing control of the car. It began to swerve from side to side. It spun around several times. And as the car began to, to swerve from side to side and then spin around, I just thought, are we going to die? And then it flips over several times and we end up in the middle of the ditch. Now, the first thought that came to my mind as I'm laying upside down in a ditch in the middle of North Carolina is there could not be a Jesus. If this was real, how, how could I get in a car accident right as I'm praying? And as I was having all these thoughts, I, I realized we're in a car still upside down. And I looked to Dean, he's fine. He looks to me and I'm fine. And we looked at this car, this wreckage, it was a total loss. It's pitch black, it's, it's probably 10 p.m. at night, we didn't know what to do. We start walking and, and we see one house, one house in the middle of nowhere. We walked up to this one house. We knocked on the door. We walk in, we sit down, they're giving us water. I saw a Bible. I saw a magazine that I knew was kind of religious or something. And I knew we just got in an accident, but I asked the wife, I said, are you guys believers in Jesus? And she said, well, yes. She went on to talk theologically about what Jesus did. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't understand any of it except that while she was talking to me, a presence and a power that I cannot explain in human words came upon me. I'd call it electricity, but that's too weak of a word. I could not get rid of this feeling. And the more I resisted it, the stronger it got, like somebody was just turning it up slowly. And I just stopped her and I said, what is this feeling I'm feeling? I asked God just a few minutes <laughs> before, show me the truth. Next thing I know, I am upside down in the middle of North Carolina. Then I'm in the home of true, genuine believers in Jesus. The movie, the prayer, the car wreck. And if I deny this, I have no excuse. This is real. And the next day I woke up and I thought, well, how will I live a life free of drugs and alcohol? And, you know, and, and then one day became two days. And two days became a week. And suddenly it was a month. And then I realized I was free. I just believed and everything changed in my life. After I came to faith, I thought I'm no longer Jewish. I'm now a Christian. And then I began to read the New Covenant and I thought, oh my gosh, everyone's Jewish. There's a guy named John the Baptist in the New Testament and he's Jewish, not actually a Baptist. There's a guy named Paul the Apostle who's actually a Jewish rabbi. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, that a Jewish man would come and that he would take on the sin of the Jewish nation and then he would die for them a sinner's death. He would be buried in a rich man's grave. All that happened and that he would see the light of life again. That is Jesus, Yeshua. But you might say, I, 
I'm Jewish. How can I believe in Jesus? Let me just challenge you. Go read the New Testament. What you're going to find out, it's a story about Jewish people finding the Jewish Messiah. Calendars are an important part of every society. They help us honor the past, remember the present, and even look forward to the future. And that's why we like to help you learn more about God's eternal calendar as we journey through the fall feasts this month. Discover why the 23rd chapter of Leviticus is one of the most fascinating and instructive chapters in all of the Bible, as Daniel Fuchs explains Israel's holy days in type and prophecy. The book is our gift to you just for reaching out today. Connect with us online at chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for the book, Israel's Holy Days in Type and Prophecy, when you call 888-293-7482. Our prayer is that the Lord will help you see and embrace these special days for what they truly are. Not just holidays, but God's holy days. And no matter how you connect with us, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. We've talked about Yom Kippur, the holiest day of all the feast days, and with just a few minutes left, I was wondering, Bobby, if you'd like to just add some closing thoughts. Sure, Mitch. Thank you so much. As mentioned earlier, Yom Kippur is one of my favorite uh, appointed times, even though the fasting is always a challenge uh, because you fast with no water, nothing to drink, nothing to eat at all for traditionally 25 hours. It's become one of my favorites because it is such a clear picture pointing to what the Messiah Jesus has done for us. When you look at what the high priest was supposed to do, he was supposed to take these two special goats. One goat was the scapegoat, and all of the sins of Israel would be confessed and placed onto this goat. And then this goat would be escorted out into the wilderness, into the desert, where it would eventually die. The other goat would be slain on the altar and its blood would be taken by the high priest into the Holy of Holies, which is considered the holiest place in the world because God's presence is there. And this was the only day in the entire year when anyone could go into that place. And it had to be the high priest. He had to strip himself of all of his majestic garb and put on humble linen white clothes to go make atonement for the entire nation. And that imagery... As that high priest would make atonement, would secure forgiveness for the entire nation, one man making atonement for everybody else, it just clearly points forward to the Messiah Jesus. And I think it's important for us to, to read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. The author of Hebrews picks up on this imagery. This is what he writes. But when Messiah appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. What a powerful passage, Bobby. All we have, all we need is fulfilled in Jesus the Messiah. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Well, next week, we'll discuss the last of the seven feast days that are found in the book of Leviticus, the Feast of Sukkot, or Tabernacles. So be sure to join us again to hear all about this joyous occasion. And then, if you'd like to learn more about this program, about Chosen People Ministries, or if you'd like to receive a free copy of Daniel Fuchs's book, Israel's Holy Days in Type and Prophecy, please visit chosenpeople.com radio. You can also ask for the book when you call us. 
The number to dial is 888-293-7482. That's 888-293-7482. And now here's Mitch Glazer with Michael Rydelnik to close us with the Aaronic Benediction. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.